What's up, y'all? It's Kavya, and welcome back to the 27th episode of Women on the Mic. Today, I am so grateful to be joined by professional basketball player of the Atlanta Dream, Elizabeth Williams. I know this week has been a very eventful one, so I just want to thank you for taking the time and coming on the podcast with me. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you reached out. Um, so currently, you're in Turkey, if I'm not mistaken. How's it been playing overseas? Yeah, um, overseas in Ankara, Turkey. Uh, with COVID, things are a little different. You know, we get tested a couple times a week. There are very limited fans, almost no fans. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a different experience playing, but I'm I'm grateful that I can play despite all that's happening. That's awesome. Um, you know, obviously there are things I want to discuss with you about the WNBA's activism later in the podcast. But first, I kind of want to just start off with your journey playing basketball. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got started with basketball? Yeah, it was it was actually kind of by chance. So um, when I was really young, I was playing soccer. My um, my dad was a big soccer fan, so he wanted me to play soccer. <laughs> um, and then when I was nine, um, I just I just kept growing and some family friends were like hey you know you should think about playing basketball like they were talking to my parents about it because they never really played or were fans um, and so I just tried it and I ended up loving the game and I ended up you know staying in the gym all the time just working on it um, tried to watch as many games on tv as I could find yeah. men's games women's games everything and yeah I think from there it just kind of blossomed and you know got fortunate to play at a really good high school and have a really good high school coach and then um, got a scholarship to play at Duke, played at Duke for four years and and now I'm in just finished my sixth WNBA season so it's been really cool. Um, who are some of the like men's or women's players that you looked up to growing up? Oh gosh I mean my favorite men's player is probably Tim Duncan. Okay. I, I grew up uh a Spurs fan, even though I'm not from San Antonio. I just liked how this one played. Yeah. Um, and I think my favorite female player was, I really actually liked watching Yolanda Griffith and Lisa Leslie. So just, I kept it in the post. <laughs> I never played basketball my whole life, but I'm a huge fan. I don't know if you can see the Steph Curry poster. Huge yeah. Warriors <laughs> fan. Um, and of course, you know, WNBA fan. Um, so yeah, basketball is such a fun sport to watch and to play. It's awesome to watch you guys. So kind of switching gears a little bit, the 2020 WNBA season in the bubble is a very different one for sure. Um, firstly, what was the bubble experience like? The bubble experience, it was, <laughs> I hate this word, but unprecedented. <laughs> like we hadn't really had anything like it, you know, um, it was tough being away from, you know, our friends and our family. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just like, it was really unique kind of having all teams in one space. You know, you're, yeah. you're not used to seeing <laughs> like, you know, you play, let's say like you play LA uh, three times, but like after the game, they're pretty much gone. So it's so, it's so interesting when after yeah. the game or like the next week or two weeks later, it's like, Oh, Hey, you're still here. <laughs> so that, that was a bit of an adjustment, but it definitely allowed us to communicate a lot more and get to know each other a lot better. 
Yeah, I mean, the WNBA has spoken out against, you know, racial injustice and as a unified voice for years now. Um, and this season was obviously no different. Can you talk a little bit about what this season was devoted towards? Yeah, so when we um, were negotiating what the bubble was going to look like, we wanted to make sure that social justice was at the forefront between you know all the protests that were happening um, between the pandemic like there was just a lot going on but we wanted to make sure that as we had this really unique platform in playing during this pandemic we didn't want to lose sight of all that was happening yeah um, as it related to social justice and and I think it was really powerful the work that we were doing and the fact that you know we were supporting the say her name movement and had Breonna Taylor's name on the back of our jerseys um, you know, had really big voting and voter registration initiatives. So it was really cool that we were able to to accomplish all of these things despite being in like such a unique circumstance. How did the lessons you learn in basketball and sports, how do you think they impact athletes in the sense like what do they teach athletes about standing up for what's right and using their voices? I think for one, in athletics, athletics, you see people from so many different backgrounds. You see people, um, you know, who did not grow up the same way that you did, you know, don't look like you, don't, don't talk like you. And I think for a lot of people, it's, it's eye-opening and you learn to work with people that you might not have necessarily worked with in any other way. And so I think for one, you kind of build that communication and, um, you find you find your role, whether it's like as more of a leader, as more of a follower. Um, so there are just different ways that that you're able to communicate with people that you might not necessarily have otherwise. Mm -hmm. Currently, you're with the Atlanta Dream, and Atlanta, Georgia has been the talk of the last week and last year, especially. Um, you know, obviously, you're the part owner of the dream, Senator Kelly Loeffler, she criticized the WNBA embracing the Black Lives Matter movement. Can you talk to me a little bit about from the time you heard her comments to the time you decided to, you and your team decided to stand up against your own owner? Like, can you talk about that period of time? Because that's so inspiring to me and so badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy time. So when she wrote the letter to our league commissioner, you know, denouncing what we were doing with Black Lives Matter. We had just gotten into the bubble. So we were still like all in our quarantine period. Mm -hmm. um, so even when our team like had our talk, like we were, it was on Zoom. <laughs> like we weren't actually physically together. Wow. So uh, having that conversation was really hard just because of like, it's emotional yeah. and all of the work that we had been putting in and, you know, the people that we had talked to like with the say her name movement and all that they were doing like was really powerful and impactful for us so mm -hmm. to hear her say what she was saying it was it was hard um but we also wanted to make sure that we created a statement as players that you know again doubled down on what we're doing and making sure that people understood that we're doing this because this is morally right <laughs> and you know it's it's not divisive and so we did that. But in addition to our statement, we wanted to make sure we had some sort of action behind it. Mm -hmm. um, and so we released a statement as players, but then we kind of had to brainstorm, okay, what else can we do um, that, you know, represents 
all that we've been doing as it relates to social justice and um, is like a more strategic way of kind of getting back at, at our owner. Yeah. I mean, I, to see all the WNBA players wearing those Vote Warnock shirts. And I think, you know, the league this year has gotten a lot more viewership in the bubble. So it was pretty cool to see you guys do that. Um, you know, obviously on Wednesday, Reverend Raphael Warnock, um, you know, defeated Senator Leffler in, in the runoff election. What does it mean to you and your team in the league to know that you played a part in flipping the Senate and like facilitating positive change? It's huge. It's it's almost unreal. Um, this journey has been so long. If when you think about like back to July and August, and then the general election, and then a runoff, and it was like it almost felt like it was never going to end. And then finally, when the results came in, it was yeah, just kind of a surreal moment. And I'm always so grateful to all the players in our league because I think for people like me that like usually aren't super outspoken i'm more willing to speak up and speak out knowing that i have the support of so many awesome women sure and so once we actually got to the moment where warnock and ossoff ended up you know flipping those seats and those ended up being the seats that flipped the whole senate it was kind of like this mind-blowing moment that we we played some part in that I mean, I know I've never flipped the Senate before, so that's pretty cool to know <laughs> you did that. Um, you know, after afterwards, you know, LeBron tweeted out he's interested in buying the team and then got retweets and comments by like Abby Wambach, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, that was that was wild. Um, you know, LeBron's done so much work yeah. as it relates to, you know, education, social mm -hmm. justice, voting. So for him to say that 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 was a big deal like i don't actually know what's gonna happen with uh, with the ownership and the like bajillion retweets um but uh it, it it was really powerful and i think it says a lot that you know he acknowledged that you know we we'd made a really big difference and he's willing to support support us that way yeah and i love how the men's team and the women's team like really support each other um, you know, you see NBA players wearing the orange hoodie, repping the orange hoodie. So it's it's yeah. pretty awesome to see. Um, to see players like yourself, your team, um, Maya Moore, Angel McCautry, you know, really standing up and using their voices for change is super inspiring to young girls and young people in general. What do you hope people learn um, learn about the WNBA from this season and specifically their social justice initiatives? I hope people realize the the power of our voices and the power of, of female voices. A lot of what we were able to do was because we were seen, like the fact that we had more TV games and more nationally televised games allowed us to to wear the Vote Warnock shirts on ESPN, yeah. you know, make th these big deals. So um, I hope people watch us more <laughs> and get to see the product on the court and, and that will continue to amplify what we're doing off the court. Um, you know, you said the power of using our voices and raising our voices, but a lot of people um, might be skeptical in their individual ability to make change or speak out um, or flip the Senate um, or yeah. speak out against their own bosses. What advice would you give them um, with respect to their ability to make change? I mean, it can be in small steps, you know, um, 
you don't have to be the Stacey Abrams, right? Like you can be the poll worker in a county that just doesn't never has any volunteers for for poll workers, you know, like you can do something, um, you know, relatively small, but it actually makes a huge difference. Um, And, you know, not being able to, or not being afraid to have conversations with people uh, that, that don't always agree with you. Yeah. I, I think that is, that's a big step for a lot of people, but it, it does make a big difference when you can start to have conversations and ask questions about, you know, our history, about um, mm-hmm. the language that you use. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a massive thing. It doesn't have to be overwhelming, but, you know, you can make small changes. I think you talked about it a little bit uh, before, but the WNBA had a lot more TV presence this season. And I think that was, um, you know, that really helped spread your messages and start discussions and uh, movements. What do you want to see next with respect to women's sports, whether that be in the media or just coverage um, or the way we talk about women's sports? What do you want to see next? I think all of those things, (laughs) the way that we, we talk about women's sports and female athletes and, um, you know, I want little boys to grow up having, you know, Mm -hmm. idols that are female athletes too, not just male athletes. Um, So again, I think the language that we use, I think the visibility, the sponsorships, um, I know the league had its first like beauty partner this year, which was a big deal, but again, like long overdue, there are so many opportunities to market us on and off the floor. And I think as the league continues to grow, as viewership goes up, like we'll, we'll see some good things. I know you mentioned like little boys looking up to female athletes. And I don't know if you saw that video of, I think it was the Alabama wide receiver who Najee Harris, who like talked about (laughs) how he looked up to Megan Rapinoe. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And yeah, yeah, so that's, you know, where you start. And then hopefully we'll have more people looking up to awesome people like you. Switching back to more of like your own personal journey and career, something I really like talking about is just, um, you know, the lows in our careers and the times maybe we weren't as confident or we didn't succeed. Because I think that teaches us a lot about ourselves and our journeys and can really be helpful to the people listening. Is there a moment in your career where you were at an all-time low or lacked confidence and ultimately, you know, how'd you get out of that? Yeah, definitely. I think there are plenty of lows. Um, for me, I would probably say my rookie year in the WNBA was really hard. I um, I went to a team that had a good amount of vets and also vets like in my position. And so I, I just wasn't playing a lot. You know, I initially, I just wasn't doing well in practice, wasn't feeling confident. Um, and that was really hard, you know, coming in, like I had really high expectations for myself. I know other people had high expectations for me and I just like, wasn't really doing that. And so a lot of it was like, okay, what can I do differently, right? To, to play more, to feel more confident. And for me, it looked like just staying extra, like putting extra time in, in the gym, working with coaches on, on little things I need to work on. Um, any film that I had, even film of practice, I would watch. Um, And then after that, like my confidence in practice started growing and I was playing better in practice. And so when I did get opportunities to play, which was probably closer to the 
end of the season, I felt a lot better. Um, and my game was kind of growing, but there, it was definitely that whole season was just like growing pains, like very frustrating, very, um, kind of you feel kind of stressed when you get in the game if you haven't been playing well and so it was like how do I gain confidence in practice and then turn that into confidence in games and then slowly as the season went on I I started to do that. I think you know you mentioned not getting to play and that kind of diminishing your confidence I mean I've had multiple times where I'm on the bench of the volleyball court and you know I, I don't have that confidence either how what advice would you give um, athletes or just people in general who are lacking that confidence, um, whether that because they're on the bench or they are comparing themselves to others, just how do you, how, like, how did you build your confidence? Yeah, I think um, for me, it was, I'll feel more confident if I feel like I am playing at a higher level. So like the more that I practice or work on certain things and work on my game, Mm-hmm. the more free I can play so the more confident I feel yeah, that um and so I think being able to put in the work whether it's mentally you know or it's physically maybe it's changing your diet a little bit you know yeah. finding something to to shift just enough where it's like all right I've done the work so now I can go in and show that that I've done it yeah um you know, before I end, I know we've tackled some big things, but just a, a light question. Do you, who are some of the, your favorite artists on your pregame playlist, if you have a pregame playlist? Oh, favorite artists. Okay. Um, I have a good amount of Drake on my pre, pregame playlist. Yeah. I think he has enough. Yeah, you got to have Drake on the pregame. Yeah. Playlist. <laughs> yeah, he has enough, like, upbeat but not crazy. Uh, future. Mm-hmm. Some J. Cole. Uh, who else? Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> a lot of hip hop on my pregame pit playlist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people do. It's just like good pump up music and gets you confident, gets you ready. Um, but before I end, I have one more question. But I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. I had a lot of fun talking with you and learning from you. And just thank you for everything you and your team have done. It's It's really inspiring to see. Thank you. I appreciate that. So my last question is, I ask this to all the women I interview because I think it's cool to get their different perspectives and answers, but what do you think is the most important thing that we teach young women today? Kind of a biggie, but. Yeah, that's a heavy question. To not back down. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we're told like, no, like you should chill or just kind of stay in your lane. But I think building confidence in young women is saying don't back down (laughs) thanks for coming on and um you know i look forward to watching you play next season and continue to speak out and use your voice it's so inspiring thank you and good luck to you thank you so much